Greetings and welcome to episode 14 of A Stone in Zion. This is Pastor Peter Kesting from Zion in Reedfield. And uh, today we're going to hear my sermon about Jesus' baptism. And really we're looking at the anointing of David as the backdrop of that. And I think it helps us to think how other people have been chosen in the past to do important things. And uh, it's a reminder that that's what Jesus' baptism was. And of course, that we are chosen as well uh, by God in our baptisms. And we're chosen to do important things too. So, blessings to you and enjoy my sermon. In our first lesson for today, which will also serve as the text for our sermon, we see David being anointed as king over Israel. And that anointing process was something with, that was done to all the kings or the prophets and the priests, and they began their service to mark them as special, to say that they were chosen to do that job. And of course, it's a, a shadow, an echo of what we would see with Jesus in his baptism. 1 Samuel 16. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? since I have rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will hear about him, kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, Do you come in peace? Samuel replied, Yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesus called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah passed by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons that you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy, with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. This is our first lesson. Your brothers and sisters in Christ the anointed one. Can you think of 
a movie or a book where the main character, after a little while, discovers that he or she is the chosen one, that they are special. They're different than their family, than their friends. They are the one who are set apart for something, right? Of course, it's not just that they're chosen, but they're chosen to do some important task. Perhaps it's to save the world. Perhaps it's to defeat the bad guy, whatever the case might be. I would imagine you're not going to have too hard of a time of thinking of a book or a movie like that because it's a pretty familiar plot line. I think it's a good one, too, really. Some of my favorite books and movies have that chosen one idea to them. Perhaps what makes them good books or movies is because they're borrowing from the greatest story ever told, the story of our salvation. There are not many places in the Bible where Jesus is referred to as the chosen one. But here at his baptism, in a, not in Luke's account, but in Mark's, he is referred to as being the chosen one. And it was really what his baptism was, was all about, was to show that Jesus was the one who was set apart. And not just that, but he was set apart for an important task. But today, as we look at Jesus' baptism, as we look at David being anointed, we are reminded that we too are set apart. Set apart and chosen by God for an important task as well. Saul was the first king of Israel. But it didn't go very well for him. Here in our text for today that I, that I read to you before, you, you can put yourself in Samuel's shoes and think about what it must have been like for him. Because Saul was the king, but God had rejected him. God had given him many tasks, and uh, let's just say Saul improvised on some of them. And God rejected him. But an interesting thing happened. It wasn't just like Saul was out the minute that God rejected him. Actually, Saul continued to be king for about 15 years after he was rejected by God. But as soon as he was rejected by God, God said, go and anoint a new king. Find someone else to be the king. And he pointed him to this man named Jesse from Bethlehem. He was a man of a pretty noble birth. He was a descendant of Boaz, who was probably a famous person at that time. And he had a bunch of sons, right? It seems like Samuel didn't know how many, but he had eight sons. Samuel knew one of them was going to be the next king of Israel. And of course, we saw how Jesse brought his sons to him, going from oldest to youngest as you might expect. And of course, the first one that came was tall, handsome. He had the figure of a king. And certainly, you know, Samuel said, this is it. This is the one. Let me get my, my oil. I'll go pour it over his head and declare him to be the Lord's anointed. But God said, no. God could look at the inside, a man's heart and mind. 
And he went down the line until finally, you know, as we saw there, well, don't you have any more sons? Well, yeah, there's the youngest. He's out watching the sheep. And in comes David. Probably not looking much like a king. Probably not smelling much like a king. And he was anointed as the next king of Israel. God's chosen one. What an amazing thing. He was chosen to be a king, the leader of God's people. In your life, you have received a calling that's just as important, if not more important than that, what happened to David. When you were baptized, water, was placed upon your head. Words were spoken in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And at that moment, a miracle happened because you were chosen by God, chosen to be his child, chosen to be his dear son or daughter. And what an amazing thing that was. I think that is a thing that we need to take to heart in our lives. Because, you know, sometimes, sometimes we don't feel so chosen. You ever get that sometimes when you get a little down on yourself? You know, maybe if you're a student, you know, you, you mess up with your teacher and your teachers are mad at you. And then you go and you say something wrong to your friend and your friends are mad at you. And it just seems like you can't win. And you kind of wonder, am I all that valuable? Am I worth all that much? If you're an adult, you know, same thing, same problems. You mess up at work, you go home, say the wrong thing to your spouse, say the wrong thing to your kids. It seems like you can't win. And you, I think all of us at times kind of wonder how valuable are we? But I think we need to realize that Really, that's almost a, a sinful attitude to have because God says you are valuable. God has chosen you to be his own precious child. And what God says is valuable, we should not say that is not worth anything. We should not say that we are not valuable if God says we are. We should not contradict God. And what a comfort that is to know that God has chosen us. Now see that story of David, it, it wasn't that David, you know, said, I, I want to be the king of Israel. It wasn't that David had anything in him that was worthy to be the king. It wasn't like he was stronger or, or better than his brothers. By all outward appearances, they would have been the better king, the better warriors, the better fighters. But God knew. God has chosen us. Not that we have chosen him, but he has chosen us to be his own. What a comfort that is in our lives. And let's look here at how Jesus' baptism was kind of the same thing. When, you know, you call ahead at a restaurant and reserve a table, that's, they put a little sign there that says reserve. 
And in theory, that means that no one's supposed to sit at that table, right? That's yours. It's set apart. It's, it's destined for a particular thing, for you to sit on it. And that's kind of what our baptism is. It was like God putting a reserve sign over us, saying this person is set apart. And that's really what Jesus' baptism was too. You may wonder, why was Jesus baptized? He didn't have any sins that needed to be forgiven. But this was a way of God putting a reservation sign on him and saying, this is the one that I choose. He is the chosen one to be my Savior. And unlike the movies and the books, you know, Jesus was well aware of who he was the whole time. He knew that this was why he came into this world. He accepted that task of being the chosen one to save all mankind. Because we need a savior. You know, sometimes when we when we feel kind of bad about ourselves and, and maybe uh, we are hard on ourselves... It's because we know that we're sinners. And see, the devil knows that too. And I think that's the, the tricky thing, is that when the devil accuses us of being sinners, he's got a point, right? And I think that's what makes his accusation so hard and so difficult and, um, and so, so hard for us because it, it's true. He, we are sinners, but we can't forget that we have been saved. That, yes, we have sinned, but those sins have been removed by the chosen one. The one who took our place, who did what we could not do. Kind of like, uh, you know, imagine you were forced to do some overtime at work. The boss tells you you got to work the next 12 days straight. You don't have your weekend off that you thought you had. And you were planning on going to your cousin's wedding that weekend. It's really important to you. The boss says, well, the only way you can get off is if you find someone to fill in for you. So what do you do? You go start calling up everybody you know. See if they'll fill in for you. Take your place. And that one who does is the, the one that you choose then to take your place. And Jesus is that chosen one who has taken our place. Because we are unable to live the perfect life that God demands. We have failed. And Jesus is the one who takes our place and does it right. He is the chosen one. Now, if that's the end of the story, it's not very exciting, is it? You know, you think of a, a movie about the chosen one or a, a book about some character who's chosen. Well, that's not where the movie ends, right? They're usually chosen to do something, to fight the battle, to win, to defeat the bad guy. And that's an important part we need to think about, too, um, in how we're chosen, how David was chosen. David says here in our text that the moment that he was anointed, that had some oil placed over his head, you know, think about baptism, very similar there, isn't it? Um, the minute that he was anointed, the Spirit came upon him. And we see that he was a man who was led by the Spirit. David wrote most of the Psalms that we have in our Psalm book. He wrote Psalm 23, uh, a very familiar Psalm and loved by many Christians. And he wrote many others, over half of them. 
He was an inspired man who was inspired by the Holy Spirit to speak God's word. And it was from this time on that the Holy Spirit came on him. Like I mentioned before, though, it would be 15 years before he actually began that job of being king. He had many opportunities where he could have killed Saul, but he didn't. He let it in God's hand, in his way, in his time for that to happen. But he did become king eventually, and he did lead his the Israelites and save them from their enemies and led them to take over the promised land and have a home in peace. He was chosen for that work. And we are chosen too. We are chosen for our own jobs that God has given to us. This world is a world that's filled with sin and darkness. And God has put us into this world for a job. We are chosen to be his children, but he wants us to do something. Think about um, a person who goes backpacking on long hikes. Let's say they go for like a whole week. That's quite a ordeal, right? And when people go hiking for a week, they're very careful about what they put in their backpacks because you need, you know, you just take what you got. Whatever you're going to need for that week, you got to carry it with you. You got to carry it on your back. So you don't want to put extra things on there that you don't need, right? You have to be very careful that you just pack the things you need. It would be a shame if, you know, you put a, a heavy tool in your backpack and carry it all week and never once used it and had no purpose. Well, God has chosen us as a tool in his backpack. And he wants us to be useful. You see, all of us have many different identities in our lives. If you're a student, well, that could be your identity. You know, you're a student. You're, you're, you go to school. But you also are probably a son or a daughter. Perhaps you're a, a sister or a brother. Maybe you have a job. You have friends. Those are all different identities that you have. But what we need to realize that above all of those identities is one sort of overarching identity. And that's Christian. So yes, we're a student. But we're a Christian student. We're an athlete. But we're a Christian athlete. A son or a daughter. But we're a Christian son, a Christian daughter. That becomes our identity. And that's how we live our lives. As we share that love of Christ in this world. As we become a light into this dark world, a world where there's hate and division, we can be a source of love and unity in that love. I think that God has chosen all of us, young or old, in whatever identities that we have, to be Christians first and allow that to change how we live our lives here on this earth as we spread light in this dark 
world. Certainly that was the case with Jesus. He was chosen. But not that wasn't the end of the story. His baptism is not the end of the story, of course, right? It would be a very short and incomplete story if his baptism was in. You know, Jesus was chosen. God says, I choose you to do the work, to be the anointed one, to be the Christ. Now, in the Old Testament, there were three people, three different jobs that people were anointed for. And we saw one here in our Old Testament. When a king became the, the new king, or at least he was in line to be the king, he was anointed with oil. So he became anointed then. But also prophets were anointed with oil, and so were priests when they began their jobs. And that's interesting that when Jesus was baptized, he really kind of became a prophet, a priest, and a king, all in one. And Jesus is still our prophet today. Prophets in the Old Testament were the ones who spoke God's word. And Jesus is still speaking God's word today. He's still doing that job of speaking to us. This world would be a very dark place if we did not have God's word. We would be lost. But thanks be to God that he still speaks to us in his word. And you know, we think about the Old Testament. They had the prophets. Boy, that would have been neat to, to hear Isaiah himself prophesy. But I think we almost have it better. Because we have the word in our pockets, in our smartphones. We have the word sitting on our shelves at home. We have it all around us. It can be with us 24-7. What a convenient thing that is for us. Let's make use of that, that wonderful gift and be in our word. To have Jesus speak to us as our prophet. He's our priest. Priests were like the, the, the go-betweens, the mediators. You can think of like a, a lawyer who, who's got an in with the judge. That's Jesus. He's our lawyer who's got an in with God the Father, who goes on our behalf. He's got our backs. And Jesus is still working now as our king. You know, the kings in the Old Testament in a way, they were like mini-saviors of the nations because the kings were the ones who fought the battles. They were warriors. You know, that why, that's why it was so important. You know, that's why Eliab and Shammah, all these earlier brothers who were strong and, and looked like warriors, that's why Saul was chosen too because he looked like a warrior. But they weren't the ones. God was going to use someone else to do that work. But... The kings in the Old Testament, they were like many saviors. They, they fought and defeated the enemies of the people and brought peace to the land. And Jesus, Jesus is like our king right now. He fought the battle against the devil and our enemies, sin, our greatest enemies. Ones that maybe we don't even realize are enemies, but they are because they are the, the things that can cause us eternal separation from God, but Jesus has defeated them and won the battle. He is our king. 
watching over us and protecting us now. We see that Jesus was chosen to do that work of a king, to save the people by, by dying on the cross, to give us eternal life. That was how he defeated our enemies. And Jesus was chosen for that task, and he did it. Thanks be to God. We see that here in his baptism, that Jesus was God's chosen one, chosen for that task that he did. And as we think of our own baptisms, we realize that we too have been chosen by God to be his children. And now let us live as his children. Amen. Please rise. May the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.